Uh, well, guys, as, as we've been doing, I just have one main uh, point for you this morning, and, and then we're going to talk about what that point means. And I'm just going to kind of start with it up on the screen. Uh, the big idea this morning is this, guys, that uh, faithfully obeying God, uh, faithfully obeying God is key to experiencing all the victories God has for us. Okay? Faithfully obeying God is key to experiencing all, all, all of the victories that God has for us. Now, when you hear the word victory today, you're going to hear me use it hand-in-hand hand with the word blessing. And you may think, what is that about? Is that the way it works in Hebrew? Uh, no, I'm just doing it uh, because I do think that the victories of God in our life are all blessings, okay? Um, so I, I'm, I'm, you're going to hear those interchangeably from me this morning. Just know uh, that that's where we're going. And, and, and so when I say faithfully obeying God is the key to experiencing all um, of the victories God has for us, I need to say that um, with this little caveat. I want you to know that the new covenant is all about grace. So, so when I say faithfully obeying God is the key to experiencing all the victories God has for us, don't you think for a moment I'm talking about salvation, uh, right? Because uh, we're not saved because of our obedience. We're saved because of Christ's obedience, right? That he willfully came and lived the life that we couldn't, that he died the death that we deserved, that he conquered death, and that if we believe in him that we get his life. We get his righteousness. We are saved and we become children of God. That is all a Jesus thing, all right? I also don't want you to think for a moment that when I'm talking about the blessings that I'm going to talk about this morning that are because of obedience, that I'm speaking about all blessings, right? Some of us feel that way. Um, we sin, we mess up, and we think, well, God's just, everything wrong is going to, like, we, we just, we, we get negative and we're like, God's never, listen, God has blessed you. Okay, God has blessed you. He is blessing you. He will continue to blessing you and bless you. And many of the blessings in your life have nothing to do with your obedience. They're just because God is good. All right, God is so good. God is so gracious. And so when we sing the hymn, count your many blessings, or we say go home and write down your blessings, when you look to the person uh, sitting next to you or, or, or your kids that are off back there and you're thinking about the people in your life, God has blessed you in so many ways you didn't deserve. And if they were based on your obedience, listen, it'd be a mess. Amen? Amen. God is good. So I don't want you to think I'm talking about your salvation. I don't want you to think that I'm talking about every blessing. But y'all, I need you to hear me. This is a biblical principle. That means it's a principle that is still true, is always true, will never not be true. Okay? Some blessings only come through obedience. That is the truth of God's Word. There are some blessings that God reserves for obedience. That is the truth of his word. You can read it cover to cover. You're going to find it. All right. Jesus uh, was hanging out with his disciples. He was teaching them. In fact, it, it's the night that he's going to be betrayed. He's serving them. He's showing them the extent to which they are to give their lives to service. All right. He, Lord and Savior, gets down on his knees and washes the feet of the men that are going to run away. And, and, and then this is what he says, John 13, 17. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now, if you know them and you don't, that's what this means, by the way, you ain't, right? If you know what you're supposed to do and you, you don't, you're not going to receive that blessing. But if you know what I'm asking you to do and you do it, Jesus says, I'm, you're, there's a blessing in that. Jesus' most famous sermon was, this, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. And, and the sermon ends, Jesus says, listen, uh, anyone who hears these words of mine, 
and puts them into practice, in other words, does them, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. Now that, that sermon begins with a section of scripture we call the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes literally are a list of blessings, right? Blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. What Jesus is saying from the beginning to the end is that there are some blessings that you will only experience if you do what he says, all right? So I need you to get that principle. With that in mind, with that working, with that ruminating, I want to talk about obedience in these periods of transition. I want to talk about obedience in the life of the Israelites, right? From Moses to Joshua, it's now the mantle has gone to Joshua. Joshua has now crossed over the Jordan. God showed up in amazing, powerful ways. But, but we get to the other side, and the first lesson that we learn is about the importance of obedience. And so, so this morning, that is our focus. Remember, our big picture, faithfully obeying God is key to experiencing all of the victories. We'll still get some, but if you want all of them, faithfully obeying God is key to experiencing all the victories that God has for us. So uh, with that in mind, uh, four things I want to share about uh, this obedience um, out of chapters 5, 6, and 7. And here's the first. I want you to know that personal obedience is important. All right? Personal obedience is important. We like it a lot more if we're talking about church. Right? We're talking about the body of Christ. It's everyone's job. No, I'm going to talk about your job now. Okay? You. You. Sitting right there. You. Yes, you. He's, you're like, is he talking about me? Yes, I am talking about you. You. It's your job. Personal obedience is, is really, really important. So, so the first thing that happens when, when God's kids cross the Jordan, uh, when, when God literally uh, lets them cross on dry ground, uh, a second crossing, a new crossing, a new generation that are going to embrace the promise of God instead of those that did not, right? And so for that new generation, that, that fresh crossing, the first thing God says when they get to the other side is this, Joshua 5, 2 through 4, the Lord says, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelite men again. What? Hold up. Right? The men are like, ah, wait a second, we were good. Like, no. And, and, and the reason why is because all these guys aren't circumcised, okay? Because all the circumcised, previously circumcised men died because of their disobedience and disbelief. So this is a whole new generation. They haven't been circumcised. You say, what does that mean, right? Children, you don't need to, well, you can go home and ask your parents. I don't care. Um, uh, <laughs> it's fine. Um, but in, in that period, in the Old Testament, it, it wasn't about health. It wasn't about cleanliness. In the Old Testament, it was a sign that they belonged to God. So this was a covenant that God made with Abram. He says, hey, uh, you're going to be circumcised. All your, all your kids, all your males are going to be circumcised. And that's a sign that, that you're my people and I'm your God. Right? This is our covenant with you. Right? This is our covenant with you. And so that, that's historically how uh, God's, God's kids were identified. The males would be circumcised, and you could, you could tell uh, if you were out at the river, right? And people would know, oh, you're a child of God. So uh, now, how does that, now we get to the New Testament, by the way. Jesus never preaches on it. Other, uh, like he, he just doesn't. Um, like like he, he's not like this is something you have to do. Uh, in fact, uh, when, when Jesus comes, he brings a new covenant that replaces the old covenant. That new covenant is grace, and, and that grace is paid for by his blood. Uh, when we have the Lord's Supper, right? It's the broken body of Jesus, the, the blood of Jesus. And this is how we get into a new covenant that's about his, perf his perfection, not our performance. Now, so then, and, and Paul, so much so, by the way, Paul preaches this. 
he says, he shows up and he's like, hey, uh, don't let people that are telling you that you need Jesus and circumcision, you tell them no. He, he, that's what Paul says. He says, you tell them no. There is no Jesus and, it is Jesus, right? That's the gospel. He says, if there, you can't add anything to Jesus. So, so starting in the New Testament, it was no longer, that was no longer your symbol that you were a child of God. So, so then my question is, then what's our identifying mark? Right? If that's not the identifying mark, if now that's just about health and cleanliness, then what is our identifying mark? I'll give you three things that I think might be the answer. Number one would be the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's your identifying mark. The Bible says that that is a gift to you, that that is a sign, that that is a seal. All right? So the Holy Spirit, Spirit-empowered, spiritual gifts, new life, new birth, like that's the sign, right? That people look at you and go, what happened to you? <laughs> like, I know who you used to be. You are not the person you used to be. Something is different. And you're like, ha-ha! <laughs> that's the sign, right? That's my identifying mark. It's Christ and me, the hope of glory. So that's one, okay? Uh, second, I, I would say baptism. I said, what is my identifying mark? Well, my identifying mark is that Jesus, my Lord and Savior, says that I'm supposed to believe in him, repent of my sins, and be baptized. And, and as he was, I come out of the water, and I'm like, yeah, I died with Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's the gospel, right? And so that's my identifying mark. With that would come church membership, right? That I belong to the body of Christ. I belong to it. Like, these are my people. This is my clan. This is my family. This is it, right? And it's not that I don't have family that isn't here, but there's something special here. It's my identifying marker, right? It's my identifying marker. So listen, I'm just saying to you, uh, as people of God, that obedience is really, really important. Personal obedience is really important. So I, I don't know how that, how that flies with you. Maybe you're here and you're like, uh, yep, I'm a believer. I've been baptized. Maybe, maybe you're not a member yet. We can talk about that. Maybe you're one of those people I believed in Jesus. I haven't been baptized biblically. We need to talk about that. We got one more Sunday with this baptism, y'all. Okay? Otherwise, it's in the new one. All right? And that's cool. We can do it. I'll, I'll fill it up. We'll, we'll just, that'll be our whole service next Sunday. We'll just keep dunking people. Let's go. Right? Let's go, everybody. Get on in. Get on out. Dry on off. Let's go. We'll have a long church service. It'll be fine. All right? So, so but, but you need to know personal obedience is really important. And so uh, they get to the other side, uh, and we find this in Joshua 5, 9, after post-circumcision. Um, the Lord then said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the disgrace of Egypt from you. Therefore, that place is still called Gilgal, which, by the way, means just rolled away. So a big part of them entering into the promise entering into the blessing God had for them was an act of personal obedience, all right? So I'm saying that to you guys. That's not on me. That's on you. Personally obeying the Lord, making Him your Savior, getting right with Him, taking it serious, that's, that's on you, okay? It's, it's your personal responsibility. Love you. Second thing we learn about obedience, right? So faithfully obeying is key to experiencing all that... Uh, victories God has for us. Personal obedience is important. Number two, uh, I want you to know that faithful obedience doesn't always make sense. <laughs> okay? Faithful obedience doesn't always make sense. Right? It doesn't always make sense. And so, uh, I, let, I want to do this this morning. I thought it was important. Can we look at the Lord's battle plan? Is that cool? <laughs> so, I just, listen, 
like, he's the Lord of armies, right? I mean, he is. And, and, and his armies can't be defeated, okay? So I'm just saying, his military strategy is better than mine, y'all, but it doesn't make sense to me. So I, I just, I want to study God's military plan to take over Jericho together, if we could do that. And y'all just tell me if it makes sense, okay? Uh, so I am in Joshua chapter 6. Let's start in verse 1. Uh, it says this, Joshua 6, verse 1, I'm reading. Uh, it says, Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. Now the Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its best soldiers over to you. Here's the plan. Alright, y'all ready? Take notes, okay? Just you that want to be generals and in charge of things. Alright, here's, here's the battle plan. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. So, step one of the war plan. Once a day, I want you to take a walk. Step one. Alright? Okay. <clears throat> Woo! Ah. Do this, uh, yeah, for six days. Verse four. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the ark. But on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there's a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear it sound, have all the troops give a mighty shout and then the city walls will collapse and the troops will advance, each man straight ahead. Alright, that is the plan. March, play a horn, and shout. Not, that is, that, that, that doesn't make any sense. To, does that make any sense to you? Does not, like listen, if you are looking for my military plan, and I don't even know if these were active in Jesus' day. Uh, well, this wasn't even Jesus' day. I don't know if these were active in Joshua's day, but uh, my plan involves a catapult. It involves a battering ram, right? If we've got a tank, we're going there, okay? I mean, the, the walls of Jericho are huge. It is fortified. Like, I'd be like, man, we're coming at it with everything. My plan involves archers inflaming arrows and pitch and tar. And, like, it's, that's my plan. We're going to win this sucker. And God's like, no, you need to take a walk, blow a horn, and shout. I got all the rest. why it's called faithful obedience. It doesn't always make sense. God's plan, listen, and I'm going to say this to you in love, listen, you are not always going to understand God's plan. You are not always going to understand God's plan. You are not. That is why it is called faithful obedience, right? Proverbs, we, 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 we studied this Verse just two weeks ago, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. <laughs> Look at that highlighted part. Do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. If you are relying on your own understanding, church, if you're relying on your own understanding, you, you will rarely see God move in power. Period. Because God's plans don't make sense, right? God's, God's plans are not always going to make sense to us. And if you are waiting for the God of the universe that says, my ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. You can't under... If you are waiting to 
understand God before you move in faith, then you are not going to see all of the victories God has for you. You got it? We good? Y'all want to go to the next one? I got more. But if you got it, we can, we can move on. All right, third thing about obedience that we learn from these three chapters. So we've learned that personal obedience is important, that faithful obedience doesn't always make sense. The third thing we learn is that disobedience can lead to disaster. That disobedience can lead to disaster. So, uh, so God lays out the plan for Jericho. The Israelites faithfully obey the Lord even though it doesn't make sense. All right, God, you want us to walk? Fine, we'll walk. Right? They do it. They blow the horns. They shout. And to their amazement, the walls come crumbling down. And they're like, okay. And you would think after that, we got this, right? So the next city up on, on the list for conquest, God said, hey, I'm going to give you this whole land. The next city up is, is a city called Ai. Much smaller, didn't have the defenses. Like so much so that Joshua only sends 3,000 men. It's like, I'm, I'm, we, we don't need to send it. I'm just 3,000 of y'all. y'all. Y'all just go knock it out, come back, we'll be fine, right? And, and, and so they, they go, 3,000. Uh, but something happens pretty terrible. The, the Israelites get turned back. They're defeated. Um, a handful of them, a few handfuls. I think it was like 36 if I'm right. Uh, 36 people die, and it's a defeat. And so much so that Joshua is like broken over it. Like he's tearing his clothes like, oh, what did we do? But we find out in chapter 7, verse 1, exactly what they did. Right? So chapter 7, verse 1, it says, The Israelites, however, were unfaithful regarding the things set apart for destruction. Achan, son of uh, Carmi, son of uh, Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of what was set apart, and the Lord's anger burned against the Israelites. Okay? So, so in other words, this one person was disobedient. Right? In, in, the, in one of these soldiers, one was disobedient, and, and, it, and, and so, hey, it, it's going to lead to this great defeat. It's going to lead to this great defeat. And, uh, and, and so notice the effect of it, Joshua 7, 5, uh, the, the effect of the loss. And, and if you think about that, man, they're crossing over. And this great victory at Jericho, God is moving, and then this happens. Almost immediate law. Can, can we just, we're speaking this warning over our people. Almost immediately this happens, Right? And look at the result. It says, as a result, the people lost heart. Whew. Hold up. Now, the people had heart. What did they have heart from? They had heart from the crossing, right? God moved in miraculous ways. He damned, he walled up the water miles away. They could see it in the sky. They walked across on dry ground. They're like, God is for us, just like he was for our ancestors. Woohoo! We're stepping into the promise. Then they go to Jericho. God's like, hey, I know, big walls, you're scared. I got it. I fight for you, not the other way around. Write that down somewhere. Could we write that down somewhere? Christians, I love you. Many of us today think we got to fight for God. Man, and we're, 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 we got to vote the right person and we got to do the right thing. We got, it's all my fight. No, God fights for us. That's how he works. He's God, not us. And so, so listen, just saying to you in love, okay? And so, so they get over, they follow God's plan in Jericho. And what happens? Another victory. And man, man, listen, they're, they're, their heart is full. They are, they're full of faith. God can do anything. And then comes defeat. And what did they do? They lost heart. Not one act of disobedience caused that whole people of God that were so pumped about what God was doing caused them to lose heart. Okay? 
It's disastrous. So personal obedience is important. Faithful obedience doesn't always make sense. Disobedience can lead to disaster. And I'll be honest, I couldn't end the sermon there. So we had to go one chapter further. Right? We can't, we can't end the sermon there. Be like, oh. Right? Uh, if we're dealers of anything, we're dealers of hope. And so you've you got to get, as Paul Harvey would say, the rest of the story. And here's the rest of the story. The last point I want you to know is that with the Lord, failure doesn't have to be forever. Right? With the Lord, failure doesn't have to be forever. You need to write that sucker down. You might want to write it on the cover of your Bible. You might want to write it and like, like, you know, they used to write things on their doorpost, you know. I mean, it may be a doorpost moment. With the Lord, failure is not forever. And I say that because I love you guys. You're going to fail, right? In your faith journey, you're like, oh, pastor, you're freaking me out. Personal, personal obedience is important. The Lord's way doesn't always make sense. I, I often question the Lord. What if I don't do it right? Like, you're not going to do it right. I'm not trying to like, like mess you up, but it'll happen. You're going to mess up. But with the Lord, failure is not forever, right? It, it's not. And so what happened, to, uh, what happened to the Israelites? Well, God points out the problem. The people deal with it. They consecrate themselves first. Then they punish Achan severely, right? Then they go on. They defeat Ai, just like God said that they would. And uh, they renew their commitment to follow the Lord. They renew their commitment to follow the Lord. And then, and then on go the conquest, right? Okay, on go the conquest. With the Lord, failure doesn't have to be forever. All right, we need to know that. We need to know that. So how do we apply that message? And then uh, I'm going to let you out of here. Uh, I think there's a few ways. Number one, I, I really want to challenge you to thank God for all the ways he's ar- he already blesses you. Okay, thank God for all the ways he already blesses you. Now, now, some blessings only come through obedience. That is true. That is true. There are some, some blessings you, you probably don't have right now because God is, is waiting on obedience. He's holding them back. He loves you. He's like, man, I want to give this to you, but you've got to obey. So there are some blessings, but there are many blessings you have in your life that have zero to do with your obedience to the Lord. They're just because God is good and gracious, Right? So count those blessings. Man, look around at the way God has blessed you. Look around at all of the ways that God has moved. And thank God for that. Just, just, just thank Him, man. It's huge. That's the first thing. Thank God for all the ways He already blesses you. Second, uh, I think coming out of this, really our challenge would be to commit to walk in obedience to Scripture. Commit to walk in obedience to Scripture. And um, guys, when it comes to Scripture, I just want to give you a helpful hint. I love you guys. Uh, I, there is never an expectation at our church that everybody that walks through these doors is going to be some great theologian. Like, not everybody is Paul. In fact, if we were looking for one thing from every person, we would want everybody to be an Andrew. Andrew just brought people to Jesus. Like, that's, that's our... Like if you say, what is, our, what is our model? Our model is that every member is an Andrew, meaning that you love people, you have people in your life, and you may have zero idea what God could do with them. That's cool. Just bring them, right? Just bring them. Let, let God do his thing because he's God and we're not, okay? So not everybody can be a Paul. We don't expect everyone here to be a great theologian. Like that's just, that's just not the case, okay? Uh, and it's not. 
But, uh, so here's my helpful hint. When I say commit to walk in obedience to Scripture, here's what's really helpful for believers. Okay? Let Jesus be your guide. Alright? Because the Bible is confusing. There are some theological things. There, there's law in the Old Testament. Some of that was only for Jews. It's hard to know what is what sometimes. I'm not saying you don't get a good study Bible. I'm not saying not dig into those things. But I'm saying if you ever wonder, well, I wonder how I should really apply that principle. You should probably look to Jesus, right? Because all of that stuff in the Old Testament, which my Christian brethren love to go to, and go, we got to do this. We gotta, that, that is the, you know, that all of that stuff, Jesus kind of reinterprets in the New Testament, if you didn't notice, right? And, he, and he, he didn't take anything away from the law. He just explained it, and, and we got to see the heart of God in the law. And so if, if you're looking at something, you might be looking at it the wrong way if you're not interpreting it through the lens of Jesus. Does that make sense, y'all? I'm just trying to help you. So when, when, I, when I say, like, listen, you, you need to commit to being obedient to Scripture. Well, what Scripture am I committing to? Because like in the Old Testament, it said I couldn't plant my, my fields 50-50, and I don't want all corn. And then, it, like, so how do I figure this stuff out? I, I'm pretty sure I'm wearing a, a cotton blend right now. Um, so, like, figuring that stuff out is you go to Jesus. You go to Jesus, all right, and let Him be your lens. That's just my little helpful hint, okay? So, so we need to commit... We need to commit to walking in obedience to Scripture. And here's the last thing, guys, is, uh, I'll put it up there for you. Maybe. Computer, there we go. Uh, when we fail, um, we need to seek forgiveness. When we fail, we need to seek forgiveness. And, and I, I love you. Like I said, uh, we're not trying to be unreal. Um, we're going to fail. You know, you're hearing obedience is important and, and some blessings, I'm only going to get through obedience. Um, you're, you're probably going to fail at some point. The, the great thing is that God is so gracious. It, it's not like, uh, I think sometimes we think that we fail and so God takes that blessing that, that is, you know, hey, I'm going to give you this blessing if you obey. And we think the, the one time we fail, God just throws it away or gives it to somebody else. And, and it, it's, it's not that way. God's holding it for you. It's your blessing. It's your blessing. He's, he's just, he wants to bless you with this thing. And when you start walking in obedience, then you're going to receive that blessing. Um, when you fail, it's not, it's not the end of your story. With, with God, failure is never the end of your story, right? It, it doesn't mean that you're finished. And so what you do is you turn to him. You say, God, I'm so sorry, man. I blew it. I blew it. Would you forgive me? And there is this beautiful promise in 1 John. 1 John 1, 9. It says this. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous uh, other translation says faithful and just uh, to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. means that he takes that sin and not only forgives it, but man, he makes it as if, just as if we had never sinned ever. That is an awesome promise of God. All right? Okay. So guys, <laughs> it's important. Very first thing that God says to Joshua as they cross over Say, obedience matters. Obedience matters. So church, I believe God is about to move in a way that we're going to tell like some great grandkids about. <laughs> I just, I believe it. But our obedience is going to matter. All right? Our obedience is going to matter. Can I pray for us this morning? Let me do this. Would you bow your heads where you are? Uh, if, uh, if that just spoke to your heart this morning, you're like, yep. That's what I needed to hear. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. But you're just going, yeah, that's been me. I've been struggling with obedience. 
and I needed to hear this. And, and Lord, and this is just a little confession. Yeah, God, help me obey. Would you just raise your hand where you are? Just like, Lord, help me in this. Yeah, God, help me in this. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to pray for you if I can see you. Thank you. Yeah, God, help me obey. Awesome. Awesome. Father, uh, man, Lord, would you forgive us? Uh, man, that message in Proverbs, God, lean not on our, 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 our own understanding. We get, gosh, we know, we, we hear you call us. We, we even hear what you tell us to do often, but sometimes it just doesn't make sense to us. And so we want our way instead. Sometimes we just want our way, period. Right? And then we wonder, well, why? Why do I not have all those victories God talked about in his word? So God, this morning, I pray this message really hits home with us. I pray we'd understand the depth of it. And, and, and none of it has to do with the lack of you. But you. You're already so gracious to us, God. And the fact that you're, you're holding some, ble- some blessings back just for that obedience, that, that doesn't make you not good. You're, you're so good that you're still willing to bless us in spite of all our failures. God, thank you for that. Lord, I pray for myself. I want to pray for our staff. I want to pray for every member of our church actively involved in ministry. I want to pray for every family that is involved in marriage ministry in our church because they're going to be a light for every family that's involved in kids ministry because they're going to be a light for every family involved in in youth ministry and our senior adult ministry because, God, we have this great opportunity before us but to experience all of it. We're going to have to be faithful. Lord, help us be faithful, Jesus. Please, please, please help us understand your word as we view it through your lens. In your name we pray, King Jesus. Amen. Amen.